And a lot of times people think of this passage has primarily to do with marriage, but it, it applies to marriage. Um, it applies to dating kind of thing, but it's much broader than that. It's much bigger concept. So um, we'll, we'll take a look at it. I'm going to begin with prayer. Or let me read first and then I'll pray. It's in Second Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through the first verse of chapter 7. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would take these words and just bring them to life. Um, I pray for the ability to communicate in a way so that everyone here can understand, so that everyone can um, see the relevance of Scripture to their lives right here, right now, today. Um, I pray that you would help me not to be boring or confused, confusing to anyone. But Father, we also know that apart from your Holy Spirit, we'll never understand this in the right way. So I, I do pray that the information would be simple and powerful, but I also pray that you would take it and make it more than just words on a page or ideas or concepts. And I pray that you would make it life-changing. And I pray for people who are here who are considering Christianity today that it would be so helpful and they would understand that you want to have a relationship with them and how that's possible and what you've done to make it possible. And I pray for any Christians who are here and they're feeling that they need you to awaken or restore or renew their walk with you and that you would do that, God. Pray for someone here that may be lonely or fearful or anxious or someone who just feels like they can't break away from um, patterns or maybe some sin in their life or some toxic relationship and they just can't seem to break free from it. Would you do that today, God? Would you bring the power of the gospel and just lead us and love us, awaken us, 
redirect our lives so that we are totally focused on you and why we are alive in the first place. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so it may not be obvious at first, but if you study the passage and you start looking at it, you realize it has something to do with idolatry. Um, and idolatry is when you love anything more than you love God. I think some people think of idolatry as a physical, literal idol, like a little um, statue or some kind of pagan religion or um, something, maybe a, a, a temple, a cult, uh, where there's a temple and they bow down to idols and that kind of thing. It does definitely include that, but it's much broader, much deeper than that. And idolatry is anything that takes your love for God. Idolatry can be a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, a job, um, a car. can be something you're working on, success, um, your desire to be noticed. Um, idolatry is anything that begins to rival your love for God. God's supposed to be here, and idolatry is when something starts rivaling. Something in your heart starts getting all your attention. Like when you wake up in the morning and you're thinking about something, and through the day you're thinking about something, and it's not that God necessarily, you may not necessarily think that you're lowering God, but you're elevating other things so that they become a competition they become competing interest to your love to God. That's idolatry. We're all guilty. We're all guilty. Things every day threaten our devotion to God. And it's the world we live in. We have five sensory perceptors that are constantly smell, sight, feel, taste. Um, these scepters are going off constantly, distracting us and saying, look over here. Pursue this. That's the whole thing advertisement is built upon. Advertisers are trying to get your attention away from other things and like, you really need the latest iPhone or Galaxy or you really need another car. You really need that vacation. You really need this cologne or perfume. It'll change your life. If you chew this chewing gum, everything elevates and makes you think this will make you happy. And it's just like constantly going off. And the Lord's saying, no, it won't. Only I can do that for you. And then once we figure that out, then we figure out those other things can bring us some happiness. But they could never provide soul happiness or Complete happiness. They can never deliver what the false advertisement is saying. And therefore, that's really what this chapter is about. How can we make sure that we are placing God in the rightful place in the throne of our hearts? Because everything else is an idol. Nothing else belongs there. Anything that you dare to put as the primary thing that you're running after threatens your eternal happiness, and even your temporal happiness. This world cannot 
satisfy the God-given eternal desires in which you were created, only God can. So if you understand that, that's going to make this chapter make a little more sense. Okay? Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So I guess we ought to know what a yoke is. It's not an egg yolk. That wouldn't be fun to be yoked. Have you ever been yoked? Oh, yeah. You've been yoked before. Um, it's, you know, sometimes, I don't know, there used to be this thing. Is it still a thing sometimes that people shampoo their hair with yolk? Is that kind of thing? It used to be kind of thing when I was growing up. It's like, I'll put, I mean, I didn't do it, but girls would do amazing things to put carrots on their face and guacamole or whatever all that stuff is. I don't know. People will do anything to be more beautiful. But we're not talking about that kind of yoke. We're talking about a, a yoke that's a piece of wood and there's two openings and the wood is shaped so that it's perfectly fit for an animal to stick their head in there. Usually um, like an ox or two oxen donkeys, horses, mules, animals can stick their head in there. And the design is that they can pull a wagon or a plow. And if there's two of them together, it's very helpful to put two similar animals together. Um, I don't think it would go well if you put an oxen and a dog in the same yoke or... Or if you tried to put a really strong oxen and a little baby oxen together. It's very important if you want to have nice, neat rows when you're plowing that they're going together. And it's very important if you want to use your field and have a good farm and take advantage of your field, you need to plow good straight rows and work together and the animals learn that they become a team. And what God is really saying is be careful who you get in a yoke with. Be careful who's on your team. Be careful who you are this close to, like bound together, tied together with. Be careful what alliances you form. Be careful in business what partnership. Be careful in religion who you link up with. Don't be, believer, don't be yoked. Don't be that close to an unhealthy partnership or it'll have a negative impact upon you. Do not be unyoked, unequally yoked with believers. Um, because an, un, an unequal yoke will be a cause of much spiritual frustration for believers, even harmful. Um, it's okay because no one knows what, I, what you're talking about. The reason you're, no one's going to know why you're raising your hand. But have any of you ever been unequally yoked? You kind of felt like it could be a business, it could be friendships, it could be your job, it could be overcommitment to things? Have you been unequally yoked? And you felt the pull and it's like, this isn't healthy for my walk with God. And suddenly you realized, whoa, um, this is having a negative impact upon me. This friendship is toxic. 
this job is toxic. I had to quit a job one time because it was toxic. Um, I couldn't, I, I stepped out of the ministry for a little while because at one point I believed that you should baptize infants in infant baptism and I came to the place that I no longer believed that and so I had to quit my job as a minister because I was a Presbyterian and Presbyterians do this and I couldn't do it anymore so I had to resign and my first job was working at this company. It was a, a copier company and I go in there and everybody, literally over half the people in the workforce had like porn, uh, their save screen on their computers was pornography. And like I'm going into work every day and it was an open office where everyone and I'm the back row and I see everyone's screens and I'm like going, what is going on here? And I went to the boss and I just kind of said, hey, I, I'm not telling you. And he says, and they all knew that I was a preacher. So believe me, they were ready when my answer, you know, it's kind of like, hey guys, this bothers me and it's just not healthy. And I said, I'm not complaining. I went to the, the owner of the company. I said, hey, I'm not telling people what they do at home, but they're doing this in my face. And I just, I worked there for about two and a half months until God would provide another job. And as soon as I could, I'm at work one day and this person comes in. I might have shared this with you guys before, but I'm, I'm at work and this person, this woman comes in and she's got the um, most... Um, revealing mo mailman suit I've ever seen in my life. And I'm going, what in the heck is going on? And she's like dressed up in a stripper outfit at, wor at work. She's coming to the work and everybody's like, hey, come to the strip show. And they all go back in the warehouse and someone says, are you coming? I said, no way on earth am I coming. That was my last day of work there. And the worst thing of all is it was, the, it was this guy's birthday and his girl friend was the one who also worked there, was the one who hired her. I'm going, what in the heck? And I just kind of thought, I don't belong here. This is not good for my soul. I've tolerated his last and it's like, this is the, just can't, this just isn't healthy for my walk with God. And so I went in and told the boss, and I said, hey, I know you and I have had some talks before. but And he's like, well, I didn't know they were doing it. And I said, but you run the show. So find yourself another salesman. And it was interesting that within days, God provided a job for me that was much better. Um, and it just wasn't healthy. Have any of you been there? Have you been in a setting or in a relationship and you just knew it wasn't healthy and it was, going, it was beginning to have negative impact upon your walk with God? And that's what God is saying. Christian, be careful where you align yourself. You know, as long as I thought that I... And you know where I went after that? I went to a factory. And believe me, I'm sure about everybody in that factory cussed. And they told dirty jokes, but it wasn't in my face. And I felt like I went to that same place and God began to, I, I 
it wasn't long before I was able to start a Bible study in there and I had people that found out that I was a Christian and I shared my faith there. And it was two different settings. It wasn't, it wasn't that I found non-Christians repulsive to me. I actually love non-Christians. And I want to see them come to know the Lord. But the settings were, the people that I was working with in those two different settings were probably very similar. But one was toxic to my walk with God. The other was an opportunity for me to share my faith. And, and so it was very different settings. And so... This, this passage, please do not ever use this passage to say God doesn't want us to have relationships with unbelievers. Folks, do you realize that's the only reason we're here is to share our faith. So please don't confuse passages like this and say we're supposed to go build a monastery and isolate from Christians. That is not what Paul is saying. What Paul is saying is in your love for God, don't let anyone come along and begin to threaten your allegiance to Christ. And because of your strong allegiance to Christ, you can therefore go into the world and be His witness. Very important that we don't confuse this. So, a spiritual yoke is when you're tied together with something in your heart. And if it's a positive influence, then it's really good for you. A positive, positive yoke would be Marrying someone that's just right on track with you and loves God and dating someone or friendship group that just really helps you in your walk with God. A spiritual yoke is the church and the body of Christ when you feel like, man, we're on the same page and we, we love God. And I'm like, I get so encouraged with this yoke. This yoke is not a burden. I, I love to plow together. I love to work together. I love to labor in this relationship because together or in this this partnership where I'm serving God because this person works together with me and my devotion to God, my love for God is bound together with this person and I'm actually, I thrive under this setting. It's, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not uh, Synergy. I think it's the word I'm looking for. This, it's, it's the synergy. It's when you come together and, and you, you labor and the, the two parts are even more productive together than the one part separate could be. And you, you pile up the, the you, let's just say the synergy of a church working together is be that together we can do more together laboring for God than we could do all separately. Even if you added all the separate pieces together, we're able to do far more than um, if we were not laboring together. That's the picture that God wants for us. And Unequal yoke is when we're fighting against each other or not laboring together or someone's dragging the other one or someone's maybe the negative influence is stronger and pulling you away from your love for God. And Paul says, be, be very attuned to unhealthy attachments. And then he gives some examples. It's like this, is, this doesn't work. And he gives five examples Righteousness and lawlessness don't go together. You can't be, pursue righteousness and lawlessness at the same time. You, you, you just can't. You can't pursue doing right and not giving a flip about doing right at the same time. You can't pursue light and darkness at the same time. Um, 
This, I didn't realize, but one of the songs we sang, it caught my attention. It says, Jesus makes the darkness tremble. Jesus is light. And that's why sometimes we're a threat as Christians to a dark setting. Is because when we bring Christ into a setting, sometimes people are offended or they feel guilt or they just don't like it or they feel like you're, you know, they'll say, don't judge me. You're like, going, well, I didn't even say anything. And it's because the presence of Jesus is a threat to darkness. And the two can't be wed together. Christ and Belial. Belial is a word only used like one other time in Scripture, but it's a reference. The, the literal word means worthlessness, the worthless one. You can't have Christ who is the worthy, the worthy one, the one who is worthy with the worthless one, and that's Satan. And you can't marry together Christ and Satan. You can't labor together with a primary difference of believer and unbeliever, at least in your devotion to God. I mean, unbelievers and believers can still make up a pretty good football team, um, but they can't make a, a very good church or a very good marriage or a very good close, intimate relationship. It's much better to be, you need to be yoked together and then God's temple and idolatry. Idolatry is a false temple worshiping false gods and God. And that's why God says, keep my temple pure and, and don't bring idolatry into my nation. And so he mentions these five different things. So here's my summary about not being unequally yoked. We need to evaluate our emotional, spiritual, and physical attachments and commitments to see if we have any unhealthy attachments and so today when we come to the end of the sermon I'm just going to ask you is there anything going on that's hindering your walk with God are you in some kind of relationship or a contract or work relationship or maybe you're involved in things and they feel so innocent but they're really taking away from church every Sunday. Like, I'm just going to say it. The, the sports world is just attacking our walk with God. And it feels so innocent. It's like, oh, it's just sports. Or, I don't know, it, it could be camping. It could be anything. The, the, I'm, not, I'm not telling you that these things are sinful in and of themselves. When they become sinful, it's when you're so committed to them that your priority to God stops dropping and your priority to those things starts rising. And next thing you know, it's normal to be not committed to being with God's people. And it becomes a negative impact upon your walk with God. And it's happening everywhere. Folks, I would, be, I would be derelict as a pastor if I didn't call out some of the things that are affecting our church. It's just one of those areas. Our love for God is daily threatened. And sometimes it just feels so innocent at the beginning. The thing in itself may not be sinful, but when it begins to take our place for how we walk and stay in close fellowship with God, then it's a threat. And God says, don't mess with my children. 
Don't mess with my kids. Don't take them away from me. And so that's what he's doing. And Paul, I don't know what the things were in their day. They were, there were literal idols, but he was talking about way more than that. It, it can be work. Work takes people away from God constantly. It can be a new relationship. It can be being goal-oriented. It's something that's so goal-oriented and you don't even realize it. First, your, your focus is on God. It's like, Lord God, I want to honor you in this. And I'm going to dev- I want to be really top level at this. And I'm going to honor you. And the next thing you know, you start having success. And all of a sudden, you're really more focused on that than God. It's like you're really not focused on honoring God in whatever it is that you're involved in. And next thing you know, it's like God starts slipping down. And he's like, no, I'm being honored in this. I'm getting awards. And now i got to do this and do this because I'm getting really good at it. And people are applauding me. And I'm getting attention. I'm getting scholarship offers. Or I'm getting new business offers. Or, man, if I can just cut this deal, and then we're going to be. And I'll, I'll, I'll cut God a big check when I make my $10 million. And it's like suddenly the very things that we were praying for at early on, sometimes success can destroy your walk with God. And we're praying for success so we can honor God. And that's the very thing Satan knows. Our pride is going to flip. And next thing you know, it's, I'm good at this. And my relationship with God gets pushed aside. I don't have time anymore to do this. I've got to make that sale. I've got to go on that trip. I, I've got to use my camper. We bought it. Whatever it is, good things turn to idols if we're not careful, okay? Um, okay, so secondly, we are the temple of the living God. Do you realize how mind-boggling that is? Do you realize how foreign that would be to Old Testament saints? You realize that and they're going, what in the world? You remember Jesus was saying, um, the temple's going to be torn down and I'll rebuild it in three days. And they had no concept of understanding what he was saying because no person had ever called themselves the temple of God before. And the new covenant tells us that we are the temple of God. It's like a radical change from the old covenant. The old covenant, the temple began with a tabernacle and the tabernacle was established as a place where God would meet with his people because he loved them so much that he created a place where he could meet with them and a means or a method or a way to allow sinners to come and meet with God. You know what I find odd in this passage, and I, I never thought of it before until I was, I was thinking, I, I was writing notes down and talk, thinking about the temple and, and before the tabernacle, like Moses, Aaron, any believer, Abraham, that wanted to meet with God had to build an altar. And the idea of the altar was they had to build a place where they could sacrifice a blood, an animal, spill its blood, take its life, and offer that to God to appease God because I'm a sinner. I need, something's going to have to die because of my sin. And so that was an altar. And then Moses established that there would only be one altar. One altar, just one altar. And it became the tabernacle. And then the tabernacle was a moving. It moved. It was a tent. It was movable. And then it became a permanent location. And from the minute it became a permanent location in Jerusalem, it never moved again. For a thousand years. 
Solomon built it about 1000 BC and Jesus came relatively zero, give or take a few years. So for a thousand years it was, it was one location. And then Jesus rose from the dead and he says the temple of God goes everywhere. It's going global. Because now God doesn't dwell at the holy place in, in Jerusalem. He dwells in the hearts of Christians. And he says, we're the temple of God. Whoa, imagine that. You realize how radical an idea? We, we hear that all the time. All oh, your bodies are the temple of God. You realize what a jolt that was to this book? When you came to the end of Malachi and someone says, we are the temple of God? And it's because Jesus comes to dwell in us. Here's the thing that I found so interesting, though. This passage does not deal at all in all these little compilation of Old Testament texts. Like Paul takes a string of texts from the Old Testament and goes, well, here's one from Jeremiah, here's one from Leviticus, here's one from Numbers, here's one from a concept from the Garden of Eden, here's one. And he pieces together this little run, this little string of Old Testament passages in verses um, 16 to 18. It's a little string of Old Testament passages. You know what I found amazing when I, I just suddenly, this actually happened this morning, early this morning, and I was just meditating over it, looking over my notes, and I go, there, sorry about that. Um, I, I'm going, whoa, there's not a word in here about blood sacrifices. I thought, oh, that's interesting. It's interesting. This passage... There are so many passages that deal with blood sacrifice. But this, I thought, well, like, well, that's interesting, Lord. What, what are you saying here? Because we know that only through Christ and His blood atonement do we have access to God. It's interesting. He's not arguing at this point about blood sacrifice. He does that in many, many other places. You know what he's arguing? He's saying, don't be unequally yoked because I love you. He focuses on the believer's benefits. It's so amazing to me. When I'm reading this, it's called, don't be unequally yoked because I love you and I want to dwell with you. It's, it's, it's communion. It's not how we got the access to God. It's that because we have access to God. It's like what we get out of Christ's atoning sacrifice. And he, he lists these things. I just find this amazing. He, he's not, his reference is not how this took place, but why it took place. Why did Jesus lay down his blood? He doesn't talk about the blood. He tell, he's talking about why he did it. And he did it so that we could have fellowship with God. Listen to this. He wants to dwell with us. He wants to dwell. Listen to what it says. I'll make my dwelling. There's no blood in these compilation of texts. There's no blood here. There's lots of blood behind it. Blood had to happen for this to happen, had to happen for this to be possible. But listen where the Father's heart goes in this occasion. He's telling us not to be unequally yoked because it's going to rob us of our most precious thing, and that's our fellowship with God. I will make my dwelling among them. God wants to dwell with us. The God of the universe wants to dwell with sinners. Are you hearing me? This is shocking. I don't like to dwell with sinners. They steal my stuff and make tell, gossip about me and hurt me. And, but God is saying, I want to dwell with sinners. So don't, don't let anything hinder what I want with you. 
I make my dwelling among them. I walk among them. God wants to not only dwell with us, He wants to go with us and walk with us. He wants to be our God and they shall be my people. They go out, but therefore go out from their midst. He's like, don't let anyone tie you down or, or separate us. Separate from them. He says, stay true to me. Don't let anyone come and rob your devotion to me. Touch no unclean thing. It's like keep yourself clean so we can get together. Then I'll welcome you. I will be a father to you. Like I want to keep our relationship open. You shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord. Do you see what he's saying? He says, don't be unequally yoked because I don't want anything to hinder our sweet fellowship together. It's so beautiful. And then lastly, he says, um, therefore, or since, we have these promises what are the promises that God wants to dwell with us, be our God, be our Father? He wants us to have strong, consistent relationships with the family members, like strong in the family of God. These are wonderful promises. This is what God wants to, is offering to us, giving us. And He says, therefore, keep yourself clean from defilement of body and spirit. Bring holiness to completion in the fear of God. God's saying, therefore, pursue holiness so that we can maintain a tight relationship. You know, let's just imagine um, my anniversary comes along and, and I remember it. And um, I tell my wife, it's like, hey, let's just do something really special this year. This is a big one. I mean, they're, they're all big, right? But this is like a big one. Let's say it's a really important one. Let's just go do something special. And we're going to go. I've got, I've got a weekend planned. And, and like we're going to go off on the weekend. And I just, <laughs> would, you, would you like that? And she's like, oh, my word, would I like that. You, you pick and we'll go to your favorite spot. You pick a place. And oh, I've always wanted to go here. And, and we get everything set. And. And we're getting ready to go. And, you know, I, I've been out and she sees me. She's like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm taking my golf clubs. You're what? Yeah, I'm taking my golf clubs. And, and what's that? Well, it's, um, I've got my, my, um, my, my, my bike. She says, there's just one bike. Yeah, but I've got a triathlon coming up. I need to stay in shape for my triathlon. So on Sunday morning, we're going to get up. And I'm going to go ride. There's this cool trail nearby. And, and everything's about me. And she's like going, this is no anniversary. This is all about you. And suddenly the very thing that was supposed to be special, she's not excited about it at all because I've turned it into me. And, and that's how God feels when we bring along all these things in our devotion to God and we turn our relationship to God about ourselves. And he's like, no, get, get rid of that. Get rid of those things. I think a great passage um, that points that out is Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Especially to looking to Jesus. Oh, the end of verse 1. 
Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So what's God saying? I, 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 want, you, I want you to pursue holiness. And pursuit of holiness means God's like, I want you to stop doing wrong things. And I want you to do what's right and pleasing to me. And it's interesting, he's not saying it because he's going, because God likes to go, nah, 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 nah. Some people think God's like that. God's like, don't do that, I caught you. Or, um, mm-mm. God just loves to get on to us. Have y'all ever met someone that just loves to get on to people? Do any of y'all have kids? Do you have that one that just absolutely loves to tell on the other one? Just, it just brings them more joy than them doing right is catching their sibling doing wrong. It's just like some people view God that way. It's like God just loves to catch us doing wrong. No, He does not. What He really wants is for us to continue our walk with Him and Keep open fellowship. And that's why all this is here. He's saying, don't be unequally yoked. It's going to mess up our relationship. And remember, you're the temple of God. Like, I want to draw my whole goal in even having the old covenant because I wanted to get to over here to the new covenant so that I, I, don't, I don't care about you having one location to go all the time. I want to go with you everywhere. And now he's opened that up through Christ and the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And then he comes to the end and he says like, hey, give your all to this. Pursue holiness. Do, quit doing those things that are actually not good for you at all. It's, you know, some people say, oh, that sounds so drab. Pursue holiness. Does that mean like wear a robe around everywhere and, and kneel every six steps and do a Hail Mary or something? Or I don't know all the right terms, but... Is that what it's like? Oh, I want you to be more religious. That's how some people hear that. No, what God is really saying is, I want you to stay away from the stuff that's interrupting our fellowship so that we can enjoy life together. It's the goodness of God built upon the righteousness of Jesus and the atoning sacrifice of Jesus so that we can dwell with God and live in harmony with Him. So if that interests you, then there's two things I want to I conclude with. Um, the first thing is, um, I, I want us to do a little um, yoking. I want to do a little yoking. I want to break some yokes. I want to make some yokes. Okay, I want to break the bad ones. I, I want to offer you the opportunity today as, as you respond, and I want you to think for a minute. Now, let me list some things that might be some yokes for you that are unhealthy. Um, could be you're in a relationship right now. It's just not healthy. And she is just so pretty, or he is so good looking. But they're not walking with God, and they're not walking you towards God. And God's saying, that's unhealthy. That's going to interfere with our relationship. And God says, I don't want you to be yoked like that. I don't want you to be so associated with someone they begin to take. There may be a business offer being offered to you. And, and you're just like, man, I'm going to make so much money. 
man, the benefits are extraordinary. But it's going to take you away from your wife and you're going to be gone a lot. And probably will, you know, you'll do church on the run. You and some TV preacher or pot, you'll do podcast Christianity from here on out. And it's like, school. And it could be that that's a dangerous yoke for you to get into. And God's saying, are you going to keep priority with me first? It could be that there's a new activity. It's like, oh, you need to do this. And I, I want to make sure, I, I want to go back to the, to, the, to the sports thing I was talking about a little while ago. I'm, I'm not anti-sports. I love sports. And I'm not telling anybody they can't be on a, a travel team. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is you need to monitor if that becomes a threat to your walk with God. That's different. You see the difference? I'm, I'm not dictating you what to do. I'm just giving you a warning sign that I know what the devil's up to. I know what he's up to. I know what he wants to do with it. He wants you to get so good that you're going to devote all your attention and all your identity is going to be wrapped up in your fame or your sport or your ability. And it's not going to be who you are in Christ because you're not willing to stand for Christ anymore because you're so busy creating this new identity of yourself. That's who you are. And being a Christian is like way down. And people can tell because you don't make any sacrifices for your faith, but you make lots of them for your success. And so if, if you're like dancing with this yoke on right now, then I, I'm wanting to just, want, I want you to think about it. It could be um, definitely this thing right here. Some of you need to break this yoke. Some of you are being destroyed because you can't break away from this thing that's strapped around your neck. Oh, I know it's in your pocket, but it's a yoke around your soul. You spend all your time, you're bored with the Bible because it doesn't flip as fast as TikTok. You're, 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 you're wanting to live a TikTok life. You want new excitement. You want to be stimulated every three seconds or you're bored. It's ruining your education. You can't even sit in a classroom for 20 minutes. People say, you preach too long. It's more, it was more than seven minutes and we didn't have any visuals. I'm going to another church that understands this generation. And these kinds of things are destroying people. And I want you to ask you, are, are you, do you need to surrender this to God and say, Lord God, I'm not doing too well managing this thing. It's affecting my walk with God. I like can't get away from it. Oh, who liked? Who did this? Who did this? Oh, did you hear? Oh, did you see? Look at so-and-so. It, it has its place and it's a powerful tool for God, but it's equally a powerful tool for the devil. And you've got to figure out which tool it is when you pick it up. And it's, it's literally destroying people's lives. Do you know that there are people who are going back, and I, if this happened in here, then I'm not pointing anybody out. But do you know what? People go to this thing and they go, to, they're, they're connecting. I started to say hooking up, and it's probably the right word. With their middle school boyfriend and girlfriends. Because they find an emotional attachment because their marriage ain't going so well. And they go here and they go, oh, look at so-and-so. We had such a cool middle school relationship. I'm divorcing my spouse. And I'm going to find my flame. There's no, even, there's no wood left on that pile. It's the, he's nothing but a burnt stick now. There is no flame. But people are ruining their lives because they get this dreamy idea that something from their past 
They're turning to these types of things instead of to God. Okay, so if you need to break some yokes today, that's all I'm saying. Jesus is so loved to break some yokes today. And then if you're not a Christian, and it's maybe because you're yoked to something in this life right now that's just got a hold on you. It could be a drug. It could be an addiction of some kind. It could be something demonic and you don't even realize there are things called strongholds. And that's another way to say yoke. There are people that are yoked to Satan in ways that they don't even know. Because you know that saying, follow the money? We can say that about, um, and you, people say, well, where's the source of it? And they say, follow the money. Follow, who benefits? Uh, who's supporting it? Where does all this money come from? And you'll find the attachment. The same thing is true with things when you say, well, who's benefiting from this? Is it God or Satan? And everything eventually is just one of the two. It's just two. And Satan's not neutral and neither is God. So it could be that maybe you have a, an attachment that's keeping you from committing to Christ. And the Lord's just saying, let me take that from you. Let me take that today. Why don't you just turn your life over me? I've got some big old clippers and I can cut that yoke right off right now. And it could be that there's someone in here today and it's like you've been waiting, you've been waiting, you've been pondering Christianity and it could be that because you have an alliance or a yoke with something and until you're willing to separate from that yoke, you've not made a door for God. You close the door because there's this yoke. And so as we close... I just want to offer you two things. If you're a Christian, I'm sure you've got some unholy alliances in your life. And today, there's not a Christian in here who shouldn't be going, Lord, I'm kind of struggling in this area. I've lately kind of yoked up or there's this thing going on in my life that I need, to, um, I need your help with. Every Christian should be able to think of something. If you're not, just nudge the person next to you and they'll tell you some things. And then the second thing is... Um, Maybe you just need to be set free and come to faith today. Just put your faith in Christ and say, Lord God, I just really want to be aligned with you. Other people have been trying to get my attention and steer me left and right, but it's not working out well, and I just want to, I just want to line up with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you display your love so beautifully in this passage and help us to see it and love you and help us to... Um, be delivered from some of these traps that are in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.